welcome to Orchard Community Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We are glad you are here to learn, grow, and deepen your relationship with Christ. Today's message is brought to you by guest preacher Wes Hasted. As I've said before, it feels really good to be home. And uh, <laughs> and to see, uh, you know, so many people I've known and who have loved me, and uh, it's great. And but I gotta say, it's actually greater that I see a lot of faces that are new to me, which is a good sign of the life of a church. That it's not same old, same old all the time. Okay. (laughs) On second thought, maybe, um, have you ever had somebody telling you that something was going to be good for you and you were a little suspicious of them? It was some strange vegetable your mom had put on your plate or um, some new exercise regimen that uh, some idiot was recommending to you or... (laughs) Well, in the weeks leading up to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, and for the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension, Jesus spent a great deal of focused teaching trying to explain to the disciples something that was going to be for their own good. He was going to leave them, and that was going to be a good thing for them. And the disciples didn't buy it. They were a suspicious lot. The 14th chapter of John, for example, is basically a whole conversation that Jesus had with these guys uh, the night of of the Last Supper, and he is trying to convince them that, and prepare them, that it's going to be good that he's leaving them. And they're asking him questions, and, you know, and Jesus understood that this was going to be a hard thing for them. He, uh, actually the chapter starts out with Jesus saying, don't let your hearts be troubled, because he could tell that these guys were a little uh, frustrated and worried about all of this. And uh, down in the 25th verse, he kind of summarizes all of these things he's been telling them to prepare them, and he says, uh, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, and you know, the wonderful people who have done you know, translations of scripture in, so we can read it in English have had a deuce of a time trying to come up with an English word that fits to explain the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And there are translations that have used words like comforter or counselor or helper or friend or companion in the NIV that, that I'm reading is, uses the advocate. And I don't know, that's not really a warm, fuzzy word to me, but uh, Jesus says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, right at this point, as I read this, I think there's a pause in there while Jesus is kind of looking around at the faces of these guys and realizing it is not registering. Because then he kind of takes a sidestep and he says these words... Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. They needed some, you know, 
tender, loving care right at that point. And then Jesus goes on and he says, you heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it happens, you will believe. But they didn't believe yet. And we see this, we jump ahead to the, um, the day of the resurrection. And you remember the incident where uh, Mary Magdalene is in the garden and she meets Jesus and she tries to grab him around the legs and he tells her, no, no don't, don't do that. Not because there was something insubstantial about him because later that evening in the upper room, he met with the disciples and he told them to, you know, touch me, feel me, you know, and feed me. I want some fish, I'm hungry. But he didn't want Mary Magdalene to be hanging on to him because he knew she was focused on the physical Jesus who she had seen and walked with and listened to. And she was going to have to learn the transition to a whole new experience in her relationship. Because the disciples were going to move from being observers of Jesus, seeing him, listening to him, observing the things he did, and they were going to stop being observers and they were going to become active participants in what God wanted to have done in this world. And it was necessary that Jesus leave and the Holy Spirit come. So today we celebrate Pentecost, as Matt has said, and, and it's the great fulfillment of that promise that Jesus made that it's going to be better for you, it's going to be for your good that the Holy Spirit comes. And uh, huge benefit. Now, there's all kinds of things we could focus on and talk about with the Holy Spirit, but one of the ways in which the Holy Spirit works within us, oh, and by the way, um, we're, we're included in all this. This wasn't just something for those 11 guys that were with Jesus in the upper room. Because on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and gave his sermon, he said, this gift is for you, it's for your children, for those who are far off, for everyone whom God will call. That's us, okay? So when Paul was writing to the Galatians, he wrote famous little verse where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Would you folks read this along with me? Uh, I think you probably all know it mostly, but let's read it together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now it's really important that we notice that the use of the word fruit here was not just an accidental thing that Paul came up with. It was intentional because these characteristics are not manifestations or demonstrations or exhibits of the Holy Spirit, things that the Holy Spirit does independent of us, but fruit well, we all understand some things about the growth of plants, you know, fruits, flowers, whatever. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, I was puttering around in my garage, 
And I was moving some stuff off of a shelf and I discovered several old seed packets that had gotten hidden behind all this stuff that my kids piled on top of the desk, I guess. And, you know, I, I stood there and I looked at these seed packets and tried to remember when it was I had bought them and realized, you know, if I had, after I bought them, if I had gone out and prepared some soil and dug holes and planted the seeds and watered them and nurtured them and cared for them, I'd have had some really nice plants out there in my yard. And it wasn't that there was anything wrong with those seeds. They were perfectly good seeds in their nice little burpee envelopes, but it was the gardener who messed up. And we have the Holy Spirit within us to produce fruit, but it's a cooperative thing. It is not something that the Holy Spirit comes and totally takes control, and we are like little spiritual robots that God directs, uh, or manic uh, puppets on a string or something. There is, all throughout Scripture, over and over again, we see cases where God is doing something with people, and he does it cooperatively, working through someone, both positively and negatively. You remember all the stories, or the repetitions of the story in the Old Testament, of the um, Hebrews being led out of Egypt. That that story gets told over and over and over again uh, through the Old Testament. And it is very often stated that God had hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he wouldn't give in and let uh, Moses lead the people out of the the nation. But in uh, 1 Samuel 6.6, this is the prophet addressing a group of Philistines because the Philistine army had captured the Ark of the Covenant from the Israelites And it brought all kinds of grief on them, and they were trying to get it back somehow. And the prophet is speaking to the Philistines, and he says, Why do you, Philistines, harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh did? That the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, which is often described as being God's action on Pharaoh, was, we see, that Pharaoh was a willing cooperator in, in all of that action. God was just nudging him along in the direction that God wanted things to go. There are all kinds of miracles that we see in the scripture where it isn't just God doing something great, it's God working through somebody. Uh, we're talking about Moses. You remember uh, his staff that he had? And so many of his miracles took place when he held the staff up or threw it on the ground or held it out over the Red Sea. Now, God didn't need that piece of wood in order to make the Red Sea part. So what's the point of the staff? Well, it was something Moses could do, which then prepared the way for God to do what Moses couldn't. And it's a pattern over and over again. You remember when Jesus was feeding the crowds of people and... uh, He told his disciples to get uh, the crowds organized into groups. Jesus could have, uh, you know, he had had this crowd here and they were all hungry and he had um, a little boy's lunch and he fed the whole crowd. He had the disciples get the crowd organized into groups of 50 and 100 and he had the disciples pass out the stuff as he was breaking the bread and the fish. Now, 
Come on, folks. It would have been no harder, no more miraculous if Jesus had just had all the, the lunch all appear in everybody's lap. You know, um, let's, you know, we can all eat at one time then. And uh, so why all this stuff with the disciples organizing the crowd and, and passing out the stuff? Because Jesus wanted them to be involved to do something they could do so that then Jesus was going to do what they couldn't do. The spirit within us has been given us as a resource so that God can do things in us and through us that we can't do, but we've got to cooperate with a plan. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he gives us a vivid little image of this cooperative nature of God working with us. But we have this treasure, the treasure, the Holy Spirit, God's presence. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay. That's us. Okay, so where do people put a, something really, really valuable? A treasure in the bank or, you know, someplace, you know. You don't go around putting treasures in jars of clay, do you? But that's what Paul is saying God has done. He's taken us, ordinary, human, fallible folks, and he's put the treasure of his spirit within us to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So as one clay pot speaking to other clay pots here, the question is, how do we grow that within us? Paul gives us a few clues right there in uh, the book of Galatians. In uh, verse 16, which comes just a few verses before the one about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. And uh, walking in Scripture always refers to our daily pattern of going through the routines, the stuff that we do, that the Spirit wasn't given just for moments of ecstasy, for um, feeling good when we're praying, or uh, when we're singing, or when we're feeling uplifted. The Spirit was given to walk with us in the daily routines and ruts with the people we meet every day. It's not a one-off. It's a daily, recurring, ongoing, repetitive experience of the Spirit working within us. Two verses after that, he says again, he says, if you are led by the Spirit. And there's two things to notice there. Uh, somebody who is being led is supposed to follow, right? Uh, you've all played follow the leader. Game doesn't work if the followers don't follow. So if we are being led by the Spirit, it says we are looking for where the Spirit is trying to nudge us to go, what he wants us to say. But notice there's an if there. There's a conditional thing. It's very possible for us to be going about our daily routines and not being led by the Spirit because we want to do what we want to do. I have a two-year-old granddaughter now, and... uh, I think the first three words she learned, which are pretty typical for um, little kids, is uh, mama and dada, not necessarily in that order, and no, because 
you can kind of see she may be saying, yeah, I really love Dada and I really love Mama, but no, I don't want to do what you want me to do right now. I want to do what I want to do. And we all have this tendency of wanting our own way, the way we see things. So Paul is saying, if we are led by the Spirit, if. So how do we make sure that we are being led by the Spirit? What are the things we ought to be doing? Now, we're not talking rocket science here. God didn't set up some esoteric, secret formulas or things that only a few people are going to figure out and that most of the rest of us are just going to blithely go along and miss the boat. Uh, There's no 12 steps of how to get the Holy Spirit working in your life. There's no seven essentials. There's no uh, things they never taught me in Sunday school that um, it's, we're really talking the ABCs of the Christian life here. Ready for a primer? A is for asking. Prayer. That's what Paul talked about. He prayed consistently, regularly for these people that they would be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit. And we ought to be praying for ourselves daily that God would be leading us, that we would be willing to listen. A is for asking. B Any guesses? It's the Bible. Okay. How long has it been since you've blown the dust off your Bible? Is it a book you live in on a daily basis, looking for what is it God is teaching me through this stuff that happened 2,000 years ago? It's a powerful, powerful resource. See, I made this one up companionship. Now, around churches, we usually call it fellowship, okay, but I didn't want to go all the way to F, so companionship. It's kind of, now that's part of why we're all here today. Uh, We see and enjoy other people, and that is one of the things that helps us to grow by being around other people who are seeking to grow. Confession is true for the soul, I almost made C confession, but that was kind of a downer. But um, we all have a tendency that when we get together with friends in the church and whatever, and we're talking about everything under the sun often, except what's God doing in my life? What have I learned? What are, how am I growing? What's a challenge I'm facing? We talk about the weather. We talk about the Dodgers. We talk about everything under the sun. And maybe in our relationships, our companionships, we need to do more of supporting each other in our growth. Can I throw in a D? I I know that doesn't work when you say ABCs, but uh, D is for doing good. And this gets us down to sometimes we've just got to take the initiative and say, here's a need. I see the need. I want to do something good. And I will do what I can, depending on the Holy Spirit, to do what I can't. Very often we're reluctant to step in and help in a situation because we feel, oh, that's not my gift. I I wouldn't know what to say. Well, say what you can and let the Holy Spirit work in our imperfect words. So when I'm going to, just in 
I ask myself, what are the things I pray about daily? Since I've left uh, Orchard, I'm now at uh, El Monastito Presbyterian, one of our sister churches. And uh, they also have a prayer, an email prayer chain, like the one we've got here at Orchard. And um, I've been reading these prayer chain things and praying about things that, you know, for a number of years. And mostly we, we get prayer requests for physical needs, sometimes maybe financial needs, sometimes something for a relative or a friend or a concern that we have for them. I don't remember ever reading a single request that says, please pray for me that some of the fruit of the Spirit will grow more in my life. I'm not as kind as I ought to be. Now, I've never sent one in with that request either, um, but maybe we ought to, well, for the last couple months, I've been experimenting with every day, I take a different one of those nine fruit of the Spirit and ask the Spirit to help that particular Christ-like characteristic grow in my life. So as a result of a couple of months of doing that every day, you can all notice how much more loving and joyful and peaceful and kind and all gentle I am, right? Uh, okay, well, it's not, an, it's not like Jack's giant beanstalk that just, you know, grows up overnight. It's a process of living, inviting the Holy Spirit to help me in my imperfections, in my lack of love, in my unkindness, my impatience, and help me grow. And it's a lifelong process. In saying goodbye to Frank Whitney, he's a guy who kept growing, learning, asking, and evidencing a lot of the characteristics that we need to be developing in our lives. So, in conclusion, the Holy Spirit has come. Now, that's not ancient history. That's not just 2000, what happened 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit has come, and as Peter said, is for all of us, as far away as we may have been from those events. And every day of our lives, we need to open our hearts and our minds to invite the Spirit to work in us and through us. That's what Pentecost got started. Amen.